Today's episode with Cameron Erickson Huben is part of the Women in Business and Technology series. Listen to Cameron's story of being in the right place at the right time, overcoming struggles of the corporate world and creating her own opportunities. Cameron now runs her own successful coaching practice to help women and men get results in business, work, and their personal life. Listen close as she will share some of her passions to success. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Cameron Huban, and I am a I am a new entrepreneur. I just launched a coaching business, so uh, I coach executives, um, or I do executive coaching and personal coaching. Um, but that's not how I started. Um, it took me, uh, you know, I'm kind of rolling up the last 20 years of experience into this new endeavor. Um, my path was, you know, I graduated from college with a degree in public relations and marketing. And I actually wanted to go into advertising. Um, instead, I ended up going into footwear manufacturing, which was not the plan. Um, it was just a funny fluke um, opportunity that came up to me. Uh, my dad was going to China in I think, 1997. And this was before China was like open in a place that everybody went to. And, uh, you know, back then there were no Starbucks there <laughs> in that time. And, and he was going, a friend of his was um, a writer for the National Geographic and was, he was doing a story. And my dad asked him, hey, you know, if I pay my way, can I just tag along with you? Like China sounds interesting. And then he came to me and he's like, hey, would you be interested in going to China with us? Um, and I'd been working to save up for my first and last month's rent. Like I, wanted to, I had graduated from college. I really wanted to get out on my own and hopefully find a job in advertising. Um, but I'd also had this desire from since way back since I was a little girl to at some point immerse myself in another culture. I just didn't know it would ever be China. Um, and so I was like, oh, Dad, you know, if I go on this trip, it's, it will take all my money. <laughs> like, I won't ever be able to get out of your house. And he's like, well, if you pay your airfare, I'll pay your room and board. And on that, and, and he's like, you never know. It might change your life. You know, never a more prophetic statement had been made in my life anyway. Um, and I um, went on this trip and met um met some people, um, one of which um, was the general manager of a footwear factory in southern China, uh, in Tanyu, China, actually. Mm. And they made athletic uh, footwear. They made um, Adidas sneakers. And in conversation, you know, he asked, you know, what did I do? And I'm like, oh, I don't really do anything. And he was like... Um, Oh, but I said, oh, but I studied public relations and marketing. And his brother said, well, you should have her consider doing, you know, public relations for you. We'd had this conversation about him being, owning a, or, you know, running an Eastern company with a Western customer and how hard the communication was. And it turned into a job offer. And I just thought, you know, I was, I think I was about 25. Five and ish, 
like that. And I just thought, you know, wow, I can't pass this up. It's a chance to go totally immerse myself in a culture that I don't know. And I didn't speak or read a word of Chinese. I'd never seen a factory of any kind in my life. I'd driven by the Rainier Brewery in Seattle (laughs) growing up as a kid, but I'd never been inside. And I moved to China. And I started to learn about manufacturing. And it was before Nike had been in the papers, um, you know, about running sweatshops and, and, you know, when they had a lot of labor issues and, and we worked, we, I mean, we had two shifts and they, we were open 24 hours a day, uh, the management staff, you know, we worked from seven thirty in the morning until 10 at night. And I started, you know, the PR part was not really, um, it was like, it was clear I could do more because back then it was like checking faxes for correct English checking PowerPoint presentations for correct English. Um, I, I was started to be the point person for when the Adidas people would join, come to our factory. So Americans and Germans would come visit us. And I, you know, I learned enough about the factory to be able to start doing tours. I learned about rubber making. I learned about footwear making. Um, we made vulcanized shoes. So I learned about the vulcanization process. So I, you know, I became this kind of bridge uh, early on, and and at some point they offered, they wanted me to run their business office, and I couldn't because I couldn't read anything. I couldn't read any of the Chinese. I was starting to speak a little bit, but I couldn't read it. Mm, okay. Um, and and then, uh, but they're like, oh, how about costing? Can you figure out how to cost the products? Like, figure out how much, you know, how much does it cost to make a sneaker? And and that was all in English. And like, oh my god. I don't know. I can sure try. Like, you know, can somebody somewhere <laughs> tell me something about this? Like, I don't know. Like, okay. And, you know, I mean, I had done well in math um, in school, um, but not like really well. You know, <laughs> like, I, I did really well in like fifth grade math. <laughs> and, and um, but it was, it was so interesting because I really learned like again from literally the floor up like okay like how do you how much does it cost how much glue goes into a shoe how much thread goes into an embroidery of the three bars you know of the adidas logo how you know how do you make this stuff and um and so so my and it totally changed my entire career trajectory was taking this job in china um and, you know, being open to that experience. Um, and after a year, the factory asked um, if I would stay for another year. And and I thought, well, yeah, I, I might. Like, you know, yeah, I, I was speaking Chinese by then. I, I had some friends. Um, people still stopped their car to look at me because I was the only Westerner around for a <laughs> miles and miles and um but at the same time like literally at the same time um i got a call from the adidas sourcing office in hong kong and they had opened up a um they'd opened up a sourcing office in or a manufacturing office in vietnam and it was growing like every single month was the biggest month they'd ever had and 
they're like, you know, are you, you know, would you be interested in talking to us? We've heard your name. We've, um, you know, we know that you know something about shoes and costing. And, and I flew to Vietnam and I just fell in love with the country instantly and was just like, oh my God, you're going to pay me to work here? This is amazing. And I had this tough interview um, by this Englishman who was the country manager at the time, who was an old shoe dog, as they call them. And he was just like, you know, can you do this? 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 And I was just like, uh, can you teach me? And he laughed. And we had this really awesome relationship. It was like, it was my first real mentor. And he taught me that, you know, manufacturing, at least manufacturing footwear was not rocket science. And that everything could be measured. And that, you know, we didn't need to approach costing and negotiations and filling the factories as horse trading, which had been done a lot in the past and was fairly typical. It's like, oh, yeah, I want, you know, 12 bucks. And somebody else says, okay, well, I'll give you 10. And, you know, you meet at 11 and call a handshake and, uh, you know, and you get an extra 100,000 pairs of shoes or whatever. That was back in the old days. And he was very much like, you know, we're going to figure out exactly how this is. And nobody is going to accept um, any special favors. Like, you know, there's not going to be any Rolex watches coming to you from a factory to save a few cents. Like, it's just not happening. And so I learned, again, I had learned this work ethic. And I was lucky because I was young enough to really be able to absorb this. And I had spent enough time, you know, a year is not forever for sure. But a year in a factory, you know, and I lived in the factory dormitory in China, gave me some street cred, <laughs> you know, and then working for this this guy who was, he was a perfectionist and so smart and wanted to, he wanted our country to be the best manufacturing country, the most efficient, the, um, you know, get the most value for your money, get the, with the highest product, um, highest product value and not skimp on quality at all. And it just, it taught me so much, you know, I was a sponge. And it was really um, kind of then that I was just like, okay, I, you know, I want to, I have some of my own ideas. I want to do something with some of this stuff. And one of the things that I had recognized was that we'd have designers and marketing people come and visit us in, um, from the headquarters office from Germany and from uh, the USA and they'd come and they'd work on their um, footwear lines and, you know, they'd make a lot of samples and go over the costs and make all these decisions and leave all happy. And we'd all be like, okay, great. We're, you know, everybody's going to make money on this. She was beautiful. We're going to get lots of orders. And then they'd go home and make all these changes and then they get mad <laughs> because the price changed and the delivery time slid. And, I was just like, oh, my God, like, somebody needs to be in the headquarters to teach these guys and girls the impact of their decisions because they just, it wasn't their fault, but they just didn't understand the cost of the changes they were making, either to the literal dollar cost or to the supply chain. And I I was really lucky in the sense that, you know, I just kind of raised my hand and said, you know, can I want to go. Like, can I go and teach people this stuff? <laughs> and at the same time, um, the Adidas group um, in Germany was 
looking at, you know, like how can we affect the cost of goods? It's the biggest line on the balance sheet, you know, or on that uh, the profit and loss sheet. Like how can we affect this? And so it was, you know, timing can sometimes be everything. Mm-hmm. And so I moved to Germany and um, put together a team of people. I started recruiting people from the countries that were doing the manufacturing and sitting them with developers and with designers so that people would really learn like how this stuff works. And I loved that. Like I was never again, (laughs) wasn't that my math skills really improved. Um, But all of a sudden I was responsible for the cost of goods of, you know, $1.2 billion of the footwear. Um, But I think that I succeeded in it because I was, I loved the relationship management part of it. I loved being that bridge, you know, being able to say, you know, having really understood, like, okay, this is what happens if you don't give factories clear direction. This is what happens if you don't give your counterparts in a foreign office clear direction. You know, or if you wait three days, like, you can literally miss the boat. <laughs> you know, the, the, the boat will leave the dock without your stuff. And um, and that just, it was, um, I, w- I felt really lucky, and I had a, I had a really good career there. And then uh, after 10 years at Adidas, it kind of felt like I'd hit my ceiling and I was, I remember being in a meeting and with our, our male COO and his entire male direct report team. And they, we, I forget exactly what we were talking about, but it was like, it, whatever was on the table was not going to work. And I was the only woman and I was the only one that said, this is not going to work. And all of the men around that table said that I was wrong and told the boss that it would work and it would be fine. And after the boss left, they, you know, several of them came up to me and they're like, oh, you're totally right. It will never work. Oh, and I was just like, oh my God. Like, I had looked up to these not necessarily to these specific men, but to their positions for sure. You know, and it's like, I had wanted to be, I'd wanted to be a direct report of our, our CEO because I really respected him. And, but after that, I was like, Oh, my respect for the whole thing just really kind of diminished. It was like, Oh gosh. Um, not what I expected. It was like, I didn't, it was like, I wasn't given the playbook, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, like you're just supposed to say yes. (laughs) like the shit won't work (laughs) like it was wrong and you know and that that was really you know and there are books literally called yeah i think there is a book titled how to play the game you know and you know people better at politicking than i can make it really far because you there you know not to say that i was right in in every case by any means but it was my that point that was kind of a turning point of just like oh this isn't necessarily what I thought it was supposed to be. And, you know, and then I was um, kind of like, okay, I think I'm done. I think I'm ready to <laughs> find somewhere else. And I, again, um, lucky in terms of timing, um, a recruiter contacted me from New York and coach um, luxury handbag maker was looking for uh, a vice president of costing. And, um, and I thought, oh, well, New York sounds fun. And, I really like handbags, so that sounds cool. <laughs> and um, 
I moved over. They ended up actually hiring a VP within, um, but I moved over, and the best part of my job was that it expanded from costing. I started to be able to vet factories um, for them when they were looking to open up in new countries. So in India, in Vietnam, uh, they were starting to move their manufacturing out of China a bit. And it was, it was, you know, it was really, again, I love the part of understanding the relationship side, making new relationships, um, seeing different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was offered a job, actually, to lead the team in India. And, but on the trip that I was offered a job, um, which again was like my dream job. I would, I would be like the country manager of India. I loved India. I just thought, oh my God, this is fantastic. Except that on that same trip, I found out I was pregnant. And I just thought, oh, this is not the right time to move to India and become the sole breadwinner. And, you know, like, what is my husband going to do in India? It was, you know, we moved to New York in 2008 when the stock market crashed. And so, we had really thought that he'd have this totally easy time finding a job because he's in marketing and we were moving to New York. And then all of a sudden it's like, I can't move the poor guy to India. This makes no sense. Um, so I took some time off and then I um, had a baby and really wondered like, Oh, how was I going to, how was this mom thing going to work? And I, I took three wonderful years off, you know, from having gone from just this driven workaholic, crazy person to walking my baby at nine o'clock in the morning to Starbucks, <laughs> you know, and this like thing, like, this is really cool. Um, but I also wanted to be a role model for her and had always planned to go back to work and did that, worked for another handbag brand um, and a handbag brand based in Massachusetts. And I was there for four and a half years and had kind of, I, again, my kind of dream job. I was I left as their head of operations and had a you know team that was located in the U.S. and in China and in Brazil. And I managed um, our factory relationships, all of our supplier relationships, all of the purchasing, all of the costing, all of the quality, the sample room, the sample team. So it was it was a big, broad job. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also one of those things where I had to take a real hard look at myself and I was traveling a lot. I was um, trying to be a mom, (laughs) you know, not necessarily doing a great job of that, trying to do a a wife, not necessarily doing a great job of that because I was trying so hard to manage everything and really not knowing how to ask what I asked for what I needed. And um, I took some time off and did a lot of reflection and um, have now channeled all of that. I went um, back to school. I went to Brown University, um, partnered with a company in Washington, D.C. called ACT Leadership, and they offered a coaching program. And I loved it from the minute I started. Mm. I love everything about the coaching process. I love the neuroscience behind it. And I love the impact I'm able to have. 
So before and we get into a, this new area of yours, um, yes, I, just I was going to say that was a very long story <laughs> of, of my life. Everybody's <laughs> You're afraid to ask me another question. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you if um, first to me it sounds like that um, uh, being in the right place at the right time was really it for you. But what I want to know from you is for women. For people in general, do you have to really make yourself open and available to these things? Because you went to school and you had a dream of being in marketing and doing something completely different. Then all of a sudden somebody said, hey, why don't you think about this? So you left that door open to say, you know what, I'm going to try. So is leaving your door open for new ideas something that uh, is good or is a benefit or... Is that something that people should do? Don't 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 have this blinder on and saying I'm only going to be a rocket scientist and I'm going to work at NASA because all of a sudden, uh, exactly. you know, what is it? Uh, jet propulsion uh, laboratory. Isn't jet propulsion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they may call you. Not you might say no, no, no. I'm not going there. So just keep your eyes open, right, and uh, open to uh, new areas of careers and work. I would say absolutely yes, especially before you have children. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, you know, being open and, and and always really. I mean, because I mean, I I have a child now and decided to make this change, which was you know, we I mean, believe me, we you know, Eric and I used to be equal earners, and um, I plan to surpass him, but I haven't yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we were equal earners, and to make the decision to stop actually was a big. A, you know, a big leap, but, but to really just, you know, I do advise to, you know, be open to opportunity and, you know, really, uh, there have been many times, I mean, where, you know, anybody that's a real planner probably be like, oh, holy hell, this woman is crazy. Um, where I often would leap first and then be like, oh my God, all my stuff is being shipped to Vietnam, <laughs> you know, like, whoa, how does that feel, you know, or like, oh, goodness, I'm flying off to wherever, and, but it was, I think the the fact that I was open, it, it helped allow the doors to open, too, because, you know, I made the, I think I made the comment a few times, being in the right place at the right time, and it's like, well, how do you organize that, and you can't, but I think it's being open always, okay. and, like, you know, and w- willing to take some risks and go places where, you know, it's really not clear, you know, <laughs> how it's all going to pan out. Um, you know, I had no idea that I would leave the West Coast in the U.S. And I, I never went back. I mean, I went, I go back to visit, of course, but like, you know, I didn't have any idea. I certainly never thought I'd live in Rhode Island. <laughs> you know, it's like, and this is the cutest, sweetest place. I love it out here. Um, you know, but it was, again, being being open to things, being open to change. Okay. And, and then as far as um, challenges, did you come across any challenges? I know that especially at one time that you said that, you know, you're in a boardroom full of men and you were the only one that disagreed or thought otherwise. And then they, they came back and said, you know, you were right. So other than that, were there challenges for for you or do you think there are challenges for women still to this day when they're either starting a business or climbing the corporate ladder? 
Absolutely. I think that, you know, I think it's really situational. You know, there, you know, that time in particular and, you know, and it really felt like, okay, this is the boys club that I'm in. And I, I'm, you know, for a long time when I was living out in Asia, it was different because I had really, like I, I mentioned street cred, but it was like I had earned my credibility by working so hard. I mean, like I worked, you know, we often worked seven days a week. We, you know, you know, it wasn't an wasn't unusual to work until 11 o'clock at night, you know, and it wasn't unusual. I mean, I worked sick all the time. I got all kinds of weird, you know, I had worms and went to work. I had <laughs> something like the mumps and went to work. It was like, I just worked. Um, and that in itself, I mean, the fact that you, that I would have to work that hard is a little bit nuts. Not a little bit nuts, but that is nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself on equal footing a lot because I was an expert in my field at that time. You know, I really was. I I literally lived and breathed it. Um, but there were other times, you know. But again, like my boss at that time, he was he was a male, um, a man, obviously, and he totally um, not only took me under his wing in terms of teaching me. But I remember when the president of the United uh, pre, of the United States, oh my God, the president of Adidas from the from the United States at that time, um, he came to visit us, and our country manager invited me to go to the dinner with him, which I was just like, holy crap, that's a big honor. And um, and he told this man, um, he's like, you know, this is the hardest working woman that you'll ever meet. And I was just like, wow, that was really cool. And I mean, he did say woman. I don't know if it was meant to be. I don't think he was trying to point me out as a woman versus a man at that point. But it was just, I took it more as the recognition that, you know, she works hard. Um, There were, you know, definitely times when I had a hard time getting my voice heard, you know, in other forums. Um, When I felt like, I wasn't being taken seriously. And again, sometimes felt like, it's like God, do I, am I just missing the playbook? You know, and, and that's where, you know, I think that where I really learned to succeed um, was, you know, in my relationship management. And because I'm a woman, maybe, um, was sensitive to the other side and could bring to the table, um, not just, like the soft side of things, but like I did my homework and would learn about the other side. And so like I wasn't, I was a great negotiator, you know, like I, I really studied like the art of negotiation. You know, I wasn't going to just go pound my hand on a table and become belligerent and say, you know, you're going to give me this price come hell or high water. But it was like, let's figure out how we can make this work for both of us. And I mean, and I would, often come out on top. I had even, I remember a time where um, a male factory owner called me and he's like, when you really need, you know, day to day stuff, he's like, you can work with my team. He's like, but when you need something big, he's like, you call me, we'll work together. You know, um, it was, it, I, again, I, I think it's situational, um, okay. but it's, it's there, you know, it's, it's definitely there. I think this definitely. man, woman thing. It also definitely sounds like um, you 
created opportunities. You saw where there's a need and you were very, very driven. So it, it sounds like, again, like I said, it sounds like to me that you created opportunities. Is that something that, um, that people in general, men, women, they should do in their workplaces if um, they see something that's a need, um, try to fill that Absolutely. need? Okay. Absolutely. In fact, I now advise people that a lot is that people are so busy. A lot of times, like your boss or your boss's boss or whomever, they're so busy too that they they may either not see the need or they may see it too and just haven't had the opportunity themselves to really sit and think about it and define it and get the budget for it. And so I advise people a lot. I'm like, write the job description for it. Write the job description and tell them how you're going to help solve this problem. You know, um, because then, you know, it really does, one, it helps give your thoughts some clarity. Mm -hmm. Um, But two, it's like you've you've already done them a service. It's like, well, here's here's, here's what I need. Here's the job description. And I mentioned before, like not always knowing how to ask for what I needed. Um, But some of those work-related things, I did learn through that kind of thing, seeing it, seeing an opportunity and being like, okay, look, here is everything that I think needs to be done, you know, and then invite them into the conversation to be like, you know, what do you think? Um, do you think this makes sense? Or do you think I missed something here? And, you know, and, and to create some of that opportunity. Okay. That's really good advice. Um, so now that you've been at your second handbag company you've Mm -hmm. stayed at home for three years you've been that great role model for the young child and you're ready (laughs) you you've moved on you've done some stuff now you're you're about ready to uh, start a new adventure in life that's correct so i launched cameron huben coaching um about one month ago (laughs) oh wow um yeah, so I, I've i been coaching since last September, um, but I really kind of went live um, just four weeks ago, really, you know, in terms of letting the world know, like, okay, I'm here, this is what I'm doing, um, and I am learning so much, like, about being an entrepreneur, about being a business owner, you know, like, oh, it's like, oh, what's this, oh, scheduling software, oh, accounting, <laughs> you know, all these different things. And it's awesome. You know, it's um, it's a really exciting thing that I never even knew. Like, again, that I even wanted. I, I knew for a long time that I, I really loved the idea of coaching and sharing, especially this relationship thing. Like, I knew that I had something to offer. I knew I had something to offer from a leadership perspective. But I had never really considered making it a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I really, I mean, but it's like, oh, yeah, I love operations. I love the business side too, which I'm really lucky because it's, it's, you know, it's this, you know, this new challenge where I can really feel like I'm still growing. I'm learning something new every day. Some of the stuff that some of my younger clients, I'm sure, know how to do with their eyes shut. I'm just like, oh my god, how do I post this thing correctly on social media? You know, and not have it show up three times, or not charge my credit card eighteen billion times to po- you know to boost something. Like, oh my god. Um, 
but yes, I have started on this new venture, which is both as coach, um, but also as business owner. I, my goal is ultimately to grow past just being a, you know, a, a single person enterprise, but to create a, a larger company. Um, so this path that you've taken through the corporate world that's leading you up to now being a, um, a business owner, do you think having that formal education at the very beginning helped? And do you think it is a necessity for, for young people nowadays? Do they, do they need to go to a formal college, formal education or, um, you had a lot of OJT on the job or yeah, is that right? Oh, oh yeah, on, on the, the job, job training. training. Yeah. You had a lot of on the job training, but you did have that formal education that sounds like it may have possibly opened doors. So I guess my real question is formal education this day in the 2020s, is it needed? You know, Things have changed a lot since I went to school. I do think that the fact that I could tell that guy in China (laughs) that I had a degree in public relations, I mean, it gave me credibility instantly for, you know, some young person out in the middle of nowhere and for him to be like, oh, she has been educated at a facility that I, you know, he could Google Gonzaga University and be like, oh, yeah, okay, it's a real place. Um, and um, I think it did help open doors. I think that things have changed a lot now mm-hmm. in the sense that, I mean, on the job training, you, I mean, you can't replace that. You can't replace the just the sheer, you know, kind of getting your stripes, you know, like, like doing the work, you know, putting in the time. Like you can't jump over that, you know, and I don't think that, you know, if you leave and you, you know, you just go to school and go to school and go to school, I don't think that that replaces doing the grunt work. Like, I think you need to do that to really be an empathetic leader. Um, But with school costs that the way that they are now, I mean, like, you know, we're looking at, you know, our our daughter goes to a, a a special institution now because she has a learning difference and it's, it's like, it's more than our mortgage and she's nine. <laughs> you know? So we're like, we're going to be poor for years um, before she even goes to college. And, you know, we are, you know, looking forward to her, you know, going on and doing a formal education at some kind of college. But I think that part of it too is whether you go to a you know, formal four year college or a two year college, I think that part of it is the continued learning and looking at yourself and, you know, really like, like you're interested in politics, you know, really, okay. Do you read, do you read both sides of the story? Do you, do you look at things from lots of different angles? If you're interested in, you know, psychology, are you, are you reading psychology today? Are you, you know, are you, are you keeping up on what the advancement is in your area and learning in that way too? So, I mean, I can't, Honestly, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm in a position to say that I can make the recommendation and say, "Oh, you have to have a formal education." Personally, I think that it is a really good growth tool. It helps instill just some basic, um, some basic skills. It can really, you know, I mean, it's, it 
can also be really fun and really light your fire of like, mm-hmm. oh, then I had I I didn't know that I wanted to do advertising and communications and public relations, but I had this amazing public relations um, teacher or professor who was also my advisor. Her name was Dr. Duper at Gonzaga, and she was like, you know, let's let's talk. And you know, I looked at all of the classes that were required for the degree. And I'm like, oh, I love all of this. Um, so I think that it is, you know, it's everybody's personal choice, but I think that if it can be afforded, um, that it should be, that it should be done. Does that make sense? Again, I, and I, you know, it's like, and I don't want to discredit anybody who, you know, either can't afford it or it's just not for them because you really can't, you know, it's not the only way. Yeah, I understand fully, and I think the listeners will too. But what I really liked about what you said about this, the answering the question, is the continuing education. It, that part's important, whether you go to a formal school or not. It sounds like just continuing that education, um, one form or another, one way or another, sounds like it's very important. Um, my main thought and reason behind asking you this about the formal education is nowadays there are a lot of, you know, college graduates, um, a lot, it's like a bachelor's degree has become the norm, um, where maybe a PhD is now like what a bachelor's degree was, um, in terms of graduates, right. Um, and also, um, the fact that, not having that formal education and possibly missing out on an opportunity where I know some, some people may say for an on the job training type of situation is they'll say no, because I'm worth more. So I'm going to, I want to make more money Uh, where I think they may fail to realize that that on the job training is very important because it's a part of the ladder, part of the rung that you're going to be climbing. Uh, So that's why I was also asking about the uh, formal education and like you said, you're going to have to weigh it out yourself. It sounds like, is it going to help you? Uh, is, and how important is it to you? So is that correct by just saying that? Yeah, I do think so. And I would also, you know, one of the things that has that I didn't do at first, I learned this from a friend of mine who was just one of those, those people that are just like, you know, super inspirational and awesome, is that I realized, like, okay, you know, also take time to develop your interests. And I think that, you know, we, you know, whether you have a formal education or not, let's assume that you have gotten into somehow or another with a degree or without one, you've gotten into a career track and you start making some money and then you start realizing, oh, like, yeah, if I put in more time, more hours, it's like, oh, I'm starting to climb. And our, our whole identity can get wrapped up in our work. And I think that's, it's dangerous because then when things like COVID hit, right, and it's like, oh, my God, all of a sudden so many people are without work, and it can be absolutely devastating. I mean, clearly financially that can be devastating, but it can be really, like, psychologically devastating, too, if your whole identity is wrapped up in that and, um, you know, kind of making sure to cultivate all aspects of yourself and really getting to know yourself as a person um, can be really helpful. It can really be helpful in times of any kind of stress. So um, I use myself as, as an example. As when I lived in Vietnam, I worked like a dog. I, you know, I told you I worked with, with 
worms, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend Valerie, the one I was talking about, who's like my ultimate inspiration, she came to Vietnam from, she's French, but she was living in Indonesia doing my same job. And she came and she's like, well, uh, we have to go to all the art galleries here. And I'm like, what? And she's like, well, don't you know, like the Vietnamese artists are like up and coming right now. Like you guys have like the coolest stuff. And I'm like, we do right here. And she's like, and she took me and she was just like, you opened my eyes to the world of Vietnamese art. And I was like, holy crap, like this is so cool. And she was also like taking me to the markets and she's like, do you own any of this stuff? I'm like, no. And she's like, do you do any entertaining? I'm like, no. And she's like, my God, Cameron, like, like open your world don't just work and it took me a long time to do that but I do think that that is also another really valuable kind of life lesson that helps you know and that's more of a I would say more of a work-life balance type of thing and human balance type of thing than necessarily a get you a job type of thing so sorry if that was a complete tangent. No, no. In fact, I, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if this is the kind of stuff that she talks about within her coaching. Is there life coaching? Is there career coaching? So what what exactly is this coaching, that the your new, <laughs> your new uh, business that you are doing? So let's, if you don't mind, share a little bit more about that, about your business. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I... It is a lot about that. And it is, you know, and I have been, I've been, like I said, I, I've been really lucky. I've also, you know, I've also been putting in my time. I've done a lot of, I did a lot of pro bono work. And I've coached, um, and coached people in the corporate world. I've coached teachers. I've coached people that sit on boards. I've coached people that have, you know, that are just like in between jobs and trying to figure out what's next. And the beauty of the, training I receive is that really it's about meeting the person where they are right now. So it, it can be like it's executive coaching versus personal coaching. If I'm coaching an executive, we will also talk about personal interests and personal coaching, really coaching the whole person. You know, one of the things that I have written about a bit in some of my social media posts and, and what, I hope I bring to the table because it's what I believe in thoroughly is that we need more humanness at work in the workplace and, you know, really taking the time to listen to somebody, um, I think is part, it's, it, it's absolutely my job as a coach, but it's also our job as leaders is to, you know, really, you know, get to know yourself, look at your um, look at your shadows where you're maybe not so great, you know, your blind spots. Um, be open to having those hard conversations in the safe environment of a coaching relationship, you know, where you can, you know, you can say, I mean, sometimes it's scary if you lead a, you know, a giant team or even a small team. I remember the first time that I realized I had direct impact on somebody else's career trajectory. When I was a young leader, it was just like, oh, my God. I mean, if I say, if, you know, somebody asked my opinion, it means something, and they could lose their job or they could be promoted over it. And um, so, again, in my coaching, it it can be 
it can be either one. It can be either executive and team building type of stuff and really looking at how are we, well, the people right now are feeling so cut off because they're working remotely. Work is all mixed up into home life and school is all mixed up into that too. And so people are really grappling with like defining their own parameters and defining their own boundaries. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time with people, again, when I said meeting them where they are, it's like, okay, we define big goals. So it's like, okay, if we do a six-month contract, if I were to do a six-month contract with you, Chuck, for example, we'd be like, you might say to me, you know, Cameron, ultimately, I, I'm just not so thrilled with this anymore, with this line of work, but I don't know what I want to do, and I, I just don't really know. And, you know, and the, so we would we'd kind of outline some goals. And the end result would be, okay, by the end of that six months, we would want to make sure that you knew exactly what you wanted to do. But we'd start out with just like, well, you know, how how is this impacting you right now? How is that feeling impacting your day-to-day, how you're showing up for yourself, for your team, for your coworkers, for your spouse, for your children? And how do you want to change that impact? So it's really, you know, a real holistic approach, um, which for me, it makes it really exciting. Mm. Um, does, with this COVID thing that's happening, and like you said, we're, we're all at home, meaning that families at home together, mom, dad, kids, school, work, um, is trying to compartmentalize things, Is would that help? Uh, during this time right now, many, I guess when I ask about compartmentalize it, uh, I look at it as the, uh, the obvious work is work. Home life is home life. Your kids are your kids. Keep them separate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden now it's like, oh my God, they're, we're all over each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are really struggling without the structure of, okay, it's morning. I go to the office. My kid goes to school. And, you know, on Saturdays, I do my grocery shopping and we eat dinner together and, you know, it's, you know, and it has practice on certain days and that was pretty clean and it might not have been perfect, but it was, you knew what to expect. Whereas now it's just like, oh, okay. Summer camps are in many ways, in many areas canceled. Um, Many companies are working from home. Some even already have stated through the end of this year. And um, I can share something with you. Um, a, uh, I work with a coach um, because I believe in coaching so much that I have, um, I have, I coach myself. Um, and we have dealt with this exact same issue. It's like, how in the heck do I get what I need done for my clients, for my business, for my daughter? for our house and for my husband. And we literally I, I just recently had this conversation of like, okay, chunking it up, you know, and how to realistically, you know, in my personal life, you know, it is okay for me. I have to, you know, in order for me to feel good, I need to get some exercise in. I am not a hardcore athlete. So this can be, you know, 20 minutes on an exercise bike, but something. And I do it first thing in the morning. Um, I 
again, just posted about that. It's like um, Mark Twain had a quote about eating a frog first thing in the morning, um, like doing something that is like kind of a pain in the neck, but then it's off your list. At least that's done. Um, you know, and then it's like, okay, great workout. And then in, on, and I'm looking at my schedule. I wrote myself a schedule and it's like, okay, Monday through Saturday, alarm 545, 615 up, 6.30 workout. Then right after that, so whatever time, because I actually don't get up exactly at 6.30 or workout exactly then, um, or 6.15, is that then I create. That's my time to be creative. Um, so that can be, for me, it can be creating a, um, you know, an Instagram post. It could be creating a... Um, Maybe it's a, um, I say, like a proposal mm-hmm. uh, for a company, um, you know, and then it's like, okay, then it's breakfast and we've called it, <laughs> my coach and I have called it, you know, mom stuff. Like, and, and that can include, um, you know, like doing some of the housework around the place, doing some of the... Um, grocery shopping, doing, but, but also doing stuff with Lily, because what I found is she's actually at nine. She's actually happy sometimes to roll out of bed at 11 and jump on her iPad and she'll stay on it until five. And I know that I'm a horrible parent for admitting that, (laughs) but it's like, you can get so much done, but it was like making me feel like such shit, you know? Um, and so this is why I like literally work with my coach to be like, how can I make this work? Um, and so it's like, okay, so a Lily activity, um, I, that's my daughter, um, you know, like something that makes, you know, where we do something together, even if it is a chore that we do together, but for her, like clean the hamster cage, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, have lunch together at noon. And then I have a chunk of one to three thirty in the afternoon where I work. Um, and now I have to, it doesn't mean that it works perfectly. It, you know, I was like, okay, can I organize a play date for Lily virtually? Can she be reading a book? Can that be, you know, um, can there be an hour of iPad time in there? And then from 3.30 to 5, I do <laughs> Lily engagement. <laughs> and that, again, can be like, okay, we go for a walk or we, you know, um, I haven't started this, but I'm going to start pulling her in to help me make dinner. One of the things I'm having to realize myself is this summer, it's like, okay, it's time to teach this kid some life skills because I can't, I just can't do everything. Like, I just can't, you know, it's like, I can't be the one that keeps the whole house in order. Um, And I'm lucky because my husband helps out a lot, but it's like, I, I, you know, she's nine years old and she hasn't had that many life skills expectations placed on her yet and this is going to be the summer you know and then you know and then I find if we are able to eat an early dinner that that's helpful for our family um but I have to really again I've chunked it up I'm also you know an entrepreneur where I have this ability to make my work schedule there's a lot of flexibility in it and certainly if I have a client that wants to have a call at 9 30 I'm not going to not have that call you know so this is loose but I'm, you know, really just trying to demonstrate that even as a coach, that yes, I agree that chunking it up a bit, I find helpful of being like, okay, this is work time. But I was feeling really bad when I wasn't scheduling in 
mom stuff. Yeah. You know? So it sounds like to me, um, success is also about scheduling. So you, you, you can, you know that when you're, you can look at one o'clock and you know that you have something to do. So whether rather than just wasting time and letting time pass you by, putting something down on a schedule sounds like it's important. Um, was that safe to say? I mean, absolutely. For me, absolutely, absolutely. I have. Um, I also I have a master to do list which just holds like every crazy friggin' thing in the world that I have to do. You know, it includes you know all targets because my mom accidentally had a rug delivered to my house instead of hers. It has, you know, <laughs> set up, um, you know, order Lily some stuff for the, her camera, um, work on a five figure proposal for a company, you know, like it has everything. Um, so I keep all of that in there. Mm. Um, what I have learned, um, not being a natural, um, not being a natural, wonderful list to action planner. I'm much more lead by my heart, just go and, and then, you know, cross off later, like, oh, yeah, I keep the list in my head um, and then kind of go forth. It is just not as effective for me. It is much more effective if I have my master to-do list and then I look at it and think, like, okay, here is something, here is the most important work thing that needs to get done today this is what's going to make the biggest, you know, impact on my work. Make sure that that goes into my calendar. Like I'm going to do that on this day at one o'clock. Um, make sure that it's like, Oh, okay. Eric's birthday is Friday. Probably better get him a birthday card, you know, yeah, yeah. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know? but it's, it's like learning how to use the list into the planner. Um, which for many, many people probably comes totally naturally. It didn't for me. I mean, I have worked with a lot of I have worked with a lot of professionals myself to figure this out. You know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's not enough for me to just have a to do list. Like, I need to, I needed somebody to teach me um, to get the stuff from the to do list into my schedule and into a plan mm -hmm. in order for me to be much, much more productive. Because what I would do is I would just look at the master to-do list every day, work my ass off to do as much as I could, and, of course, get a fraction of it done because life happens, and it always feels overwhelming. I was never feeling that great. And, you know, now it's it's much more planned. I'm much more thoughtful about it, and I'm not perfect at it. I mean, let me tell you, like, I have to remind myself this stuff all the time. Like, I'm constantly practicing it, you know. Um, and trying to be mindful of it. Sounds like to me, um, so feel free to correct me if I'm absolutely wrong. Uh, so if you're <laughs> making your your schedule, don't just write down, oh, 6 o'clock this or 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. this and that and that and go, oh, that's what I'm going to do every day this week. And so you only write it down once. It sounds like to me it's really important to write it down. Even if it's the exact same thing, you write it for your Monday, you write it for your Tuesday, you write it for your Wednesday, the whole week. Um, and this is aside from having a master to-do list. Um, would that be safe to say is just, just really write it down every day, even if it's the same, just so when you, op when you wake up that morning and if it's a... 
uh, written down on a little calendar. At least you look and say, okay, this is what I need to do. Um, is that, you think, better than just writing it down once and saying, oh, that's what I'm going to do for the week? Um, you know, I, I, there's probably different schools of thought on that. Like my, my like chunking it up calendar that I was telling you about that's like work out at this time, create at this time, mom stuff, you know, and then my Lily's time. That is one calendar. It, like it's just a piece of paper that I have. Mm-hmm. But then, um, and, and I can look at it because that in itself doesn't necessarily have to change. Um, but then, and so I wouldn't necessarily say you have to write that down every single day. However, I do think that certainly for some of us, it's very helpful then to, and one of the things I'm trying to get to, and I, I really suck at this, <laughs> what I've been told is the really like gold star way to do it is the night before is plan your day for the next day. Mm. And I, I still, I, I have to admit, I don't do this. I still at least now have my kind of framework of my day. And then I look and see, okay, what am I going to fit into this day? Um, but really, um, many people have, you know, people whom I respect have said, you know, you plan it the night before because then there's no question and, you know, or even plan as much as you can on the Sunday for the week so that you, you know, like, okay, on Wednesday is, you know, buy Eric's, uh, you know, buy Eric's birthday card, you know, mail mom, <laughs> run <Yeah>. back to Target, <laughs> send proposal to three new companies and, you know, do, you know, whatever it is so that it's, it's on there. And then, it, then if you don't get that stuff done on that day, that then you move it to an appropriate day. But again, it's all about the idea behind it is really, you know, holding yourself accountable, also recognizing that you're human. I mean, things are going to come up. It's not, sure. like, no, none of this works perfectly. It's just a system that I've found that is, that is helpful for me, you okay. know, to transfer it, you know, and look at the day and try. And, you know, I just find that I have to feel like something important to me got done in a day. Otherwise, I have a really hard time, especially now without any normal structure, to feel like it was a good day. Like, I have to have some kind of measuring stick. And so it's like, okay. And I can be and I can be pretty easy on myself. It's like, okay, if I get these two things done, it's a good day. You know, if I, I work out and I uh, send three promotional emails, it's like, okay, everything else is gravy because I've done the, I've done something for myself physically and i've done something to help grow my business okay that all makes sense and and in my thought too writing writing things down whether it be a schedule a formal schedule or or a a master to-do list it it allows me to visualize and i can see it in front of me and i could Mm -hmm. check things off because i I remember you know in the past where people talked about visualizing whether it be you want to go on a vacation put the find some pictures of the beach and post it up and visualize that and make it happen. So this is kind of like the same thing in a way you've got your schedule, you see it, you're visualizing. Those are the things that that need to be completed. Um, But like you said, it allows you to move things around. I should do it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's actually a fantastic way of thinking of it because yes, if you, if you do it that way, right, then you really set yourself up well. I mean, then we're really getting good. Um, 
you know, I have, um, it's funny that you say, you know, have a beach on there. I have, um, I did for the first time ever a vision board this year. I've always wanted to try one, but I'm like, I always felt like, oh, that's too woo-woo or my husband's going to think I'm a fruit loop if I do it. Um, but I, this year I'm just like, oh, what the hell? I, I am a fruit loop. So I'm going <laughs> to and it was such a fun thing to do. And I can see it from where I'm sitting, you know, and it's like, okay, there's, you know, there is a beach on there. There is nature on there. There's skiing on there. There's time with Lily on there. There's school on there. You know, there's um, time for my business on there. There's a really nice car on there. <laughs> I hope one day that I can get. Yeah, what car um, is that? I like... <laughs> it's a Porsche 911. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that idea of visualizing every day, I think I... Anybody who is into that would say yes, that that is a, for no matter what you're going to do, you know, whether you are looking to have a productive day or looking to do, um, you know, in coaching, like if somebody came to me and said, oh, I'm super nervous about giving this speech, I have to talk in front of all these people and I'm really nervous. We would definitely do visualization about the whole speech, you know, I mean, athletes do that all the time where they... You know, they run their perfect race in their mind over and over and over and over again so that it becomes reflex and then their body is freed up to actually, you know, go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm a strong believer in it. I wish I could honestly say that I did it more actively, more often. You're inspiring <laughs> me right now to get better. Uh, you have <laughs> definitely inspired me, and I'm sure everybody that's listening is absolutely been inspired. Um uh, I so I start thinking about schedules. I'm going, oh gosh, what is their schedule right now? Because I know we're you're getting close to where you got to do something else. Uh, it's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I have a one thirty call, <laughs> uh-huh. and you need breathing time before that. Um, so you know, so for us in closing, what would the what would one or two things be as far as that you would. I would recommend for people who are wanting to enter the workforce. Um, if we want, we could be specific with women uh, who are going to be brand new to entering the workforce. Um, and then maybe uh, men and women who are continuing or who want to climb up the ladder. I hope that's not asking too much and it won't be too long and you'll, it'll be one thirty-five, and you'll be late. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, I think, for both men and women, I mean, I think, you know, success is, you know, is understanding the impact that you want to make. You know, you, your person, like, you know, what are you here to do? And, like, and that takes a lot of, you know, like, self-reflection and work sometimes to know, like, I'm like what the hell am I here for? You know, what am I really meant to do? But once that is figured out, then just go for it with everything you've got. And that is, you know, moving out of your comfort zone um, is really when you're going to see action happen. Okay. You know, it's like I, whenever I tell my own coach, like, like oh, God, I'm thinking of this, but that, that feels a little bit like I'm kind of scared. And she's like, that's exactly where you should be. That's what you do. Do that because you're a little bit scared. And that's going to be your biggest growth opportunity. And it's amazing. You know, it really, really does. So, again, that can be, you know, male or female, young or old. 
you know, is taking the time to really figure out, you know, what does success mean to you in all senses of the word? You know, what makes you tick? Um, and that, in you know, it's like society that places a lot of ideas of what success is. Um, it, but it's not, you know, I used to think, oh, yeah, $30 million in the bank and I will be successful. Um, and I still have that as a goal, but it's also, I've realized it's like, oh, it's also being present for my daughter and recognizing that, you know, she's a preteen and is starting to go through some mood swings, mm-hmm. you know, um, really figuring out my values, making sure that I live by them, you know, and, and having to, you know, know that I might upset some people along the way because I, I might not be, I might not fit into the box that they thought I was going to fit into. Um, and that's you know, okay. And I, again, just, and that's okay. Yeah, just I would just I would just say you know re- self reflection and self work is as important as your other work because then you you know you can get excited about it you can you can find steps you know it's like what's the first concrete step I can take you know little tiny step and take it and it's like oh and it could be just be like oh you know what I've always been interested in uh, leadership it's like okay. I can recommend right now, go online and order Mastering Leadership, <laughs> you know, and read it. It's an awesome book. You know what I mean? It's like those little things. So I don't know if I, I'm sorry if I, if I answered both of your questions with that or not. Actually, you did, which is perfect. I mean, that was a very Great. good answer. Like I said, it covered both. Um, so I guess in closing, we know what kind of car you want. So how about what is what is your favorite movie and your favorite song at this moment? Because I know it's difficult to just pick something out. But if you do. Oh, how- my gosh. Okay. Favorite movie. That's a really, shoot, that is a tough one. Um, because I've been watching lots of, I mean, my, our movie, our movie is now, steer more towards younger <laughs> movies, you know, like for younger audiences. Zootopia? I've totally into all <laughs> it's, oh, love Zootopia, but also lately it's the Avengers movies. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like my husband works at Hasbro and, um, you know, and they, and knows all the Marvel stuff and um, has introduced Lily to all the Marvel movies and all of the Avengers stuff. So I love all of those movies. Um, I also recently just saw um oh my god i'm not gonna remember it now it's with the, the one with the dog oh crap i'll leave it at the adventures um and one of my proudest moments actually was when <laughs> lily because of the avengers one of her favorite songs is now um the immigrant song from Led Zeppelin, by Led Zeppelin oh, wow. which i think is just like super awesome <laughs> Um, and, and I am into like uh, old school, lots of old school rock and roll. I mean, like I, you know, um, trying to think what is my, I now have to, because I'm put on the spot, I need to like mm-hmm. open up my, my playlist here. Yes. Um, pick one out because right now, actually with the two things that you've answered with, it definitely tells me that you're a family person. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I'm, I like to. I like the Beastie Boys. I love. I've been working out to No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I I love. Uh, um, I like ACDC, Aerosmith. 
<laughs> Allison Keene. <laughs> like, but I also have Respect by Aretha, uh, Aretha Franklin and uh, Ava Max. I really like. So, so, so in other words, favorites. you're not pulling one out. <laughs> not one song. I'm not. I'm sorry. Oh, crap. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking here and it's like, what's my favorite one of these? Like, Ah, oh, God. I mean, Fleetwood Mac. I mean, who doesn't like the chain by Fleetwood Mac? You know, it's like, uh, I'll let you off the mine. hook. I'm a huge blast fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, gosh, this was great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this was great, Cameron. And uh, and the absolute closing, where can people find you if they want to seek you out for coaching and things like that? Oh, well, thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, Right now, I am I have a public profile on Instagram and on Facebook, and, I, and I'm on LinkedIn. I post there regularly. My name is Cameron Huban, and it's spelled K-A-M-R-I-N. Last name is Huban, H-U-B-A-N. Um, and I can also be emailed um, at kerickson at gmail.com. And that's K, this is a long one, holy moly, K-E-R-I-K-S-E-N-H-U-B-A-N at gmail.com. Um, website will be coming, but honestly, working with my own coach, we're like, let's do the work first in terms of client base and just coaching like crazy um and eventually i'll be able to direct you to a website but for now it's more social media platform okay well great um you folks heard it go check it out and i'll make sure that i have it in the description so um if you didn't catch it when cameron said it you'll be able to find it in the description oh thank you so much chuck cameron that's it um we're done (laughs) yay (laughs) 